Ladies, gentlemen, ramblers, gamblers, and scramblers, welcome once again to the Let It Bleed podcast. I'm your host, the whimsical wizard of love, David Amaya. And finally, back in the saddle to his right is your verified voodoo vaquero, Phil Arroyo. Yes, it's been a while. Uh, we've been busy. We've been very busy. Uh, going here and going there. Uh, we, to you know, cumulatively, we have been all over <laughs> the country, you know, back and forth. It's our first time together in a room for, what, like six weeks? It can't be six weeks. Okay, maybe, maybe four it's or five? Been about probably closer to a month at least three almost a month but even within that time we had skipped a week and you know like this so there's just a lot of yeah no it's been it's been rough trying to get our schedules coordinated because i know there was about three probably i think we missed about three weeks here now right yeah three weeks so it'll be it'll have been a month since the last time we recorded an episode and that was like a week or two before that actually came out yeah so no i think we're pulling up on like five weeks now huh well, then that just goes to show that I am terrible with time. I mean, I thought Friday was Monday, like I was saying, because I just got back from New Mexico after driving there on a Tuesday and then, you know, working five straight days and then driving back and then getting the couple of days off feeling like it was, you know, Saturday, Sunday. So I go to work on Friday <laughs> and like I'm just tripping out like on the way things are going because it's a Friday, you know, more people at the mall or whatever. And uh, it was just a... It was just different. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I feel you on that one. It's been uh, tough to kind of keep all my days together, too. Yeah. You know, when there's no when there's no markings and you're traveling and you're on you're on planes and I didn't have to drive anywhere. That's rough. But it was it was actually awesome. Um, well, you got to see some really cool spots, you know, uh, you know, it's it was it's beautiful just for how peaceful it was. And, you know, just getting that chance to be traveling alone uh what i've always found is that traveling since i was a little kid there there's just things that when i would travel with my parents and you know we'd, we'd be in the back seat of the car driving through these beautiful very wide open spaces in you know new mexico arizona colorado wyoming all of these places and you mm-hmm. just have your the old school disc man before the ipods came on and you, know, you listen to your music and you just think and it was kind of that's to me was, you know, where I would get all of this spiritual insight from just observing the land as I'm cruising through, listening to music, it gets your your mind flowing. It was like having psychedelic trips before I ever, ever, ever consumed anything psychedelic whatsoever. <laughs> um, and so, you know, being, a, I, I've been traveling recently and when we went to Eclipse, it was, it was a little bit different. You know, you're with people, you're talking, there's a lot more involvement with uh you know, just what's going on, where you're going with this was like, I'm going for work, but I just had all this time to myself to just think and, and enjoy it. And I, yeah, I mean, I still made time to stop off at the Grand Canyon on the way back and, you know, the petrified forest or whatever. And I, I still just kind of did my thing, but it was awesome. I mean, I totally know what you mean on that one, Yeah. you know, and for me, that is every flight that charges for Wi-Fi. Well, they're like seventeen dollars, so you can use, so you can go on Facebook and fuck around for an hour. I'm like, you know what? I don't feel comfortable putting that on an expense report, so I am actually just going to look out the window, put my music in, and just let myself kind of like meditate and think. And when you're out on just like floating over clouds, or you can just, you know, just see vast swaths of 
basically what you're looking at. Right. But from 10,000 feet in the air. Yeah. It is, you know, in a moment you just take that, you just take it in, you get some perspective and you, you get to meditate for a little while. Yeah. That's and I actually thought to myself, you know what, while I have this time, while I'm here, while I've been thinking about this for a long time, I was going to finally make my sigil that we talked about with Jeff oh, cool. that many months ago, Very cool. you know, and I did finally come up with something, you know, I had a, I had an action phrase. I said it to myself over and over again. I was like, is this it? Is this it? And I just kind of went through, I, I combined it. I rewrote it. I just kept writing and writing and writing and writing and writing. Finally, I was like, okay, you know what? I like this one. And then I sat there on my computer and I had my little drawing tablet and I was just drawing it out over and over again and then just making it all weird. Then I took all these letters out and I just had these things. And finally, I just kept going and going and going. And I finally came up with something that I liked. And I said, you know what? This is a magical moment because I'm 10,000 feet up and it's as pretty much right when I finished it. It was on a flight that was supposed to land at 9-11 <laughs> on 9-11. What? Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't realize that the time was 9-11. I, I knew that the flight that you posted the picture of was on 9-11. I didn't know that it was actually supposed to arrive. Yeah, it said landing time, 9-11. So, and so I decided, you know what? <laughs> this is a pretty, like, you know, if there's any number that's superstitious, if there's anything anything out there that's significant about this that has some power. Yeah, it's like, fuck 13. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, this is, like, this it's is way gonna more significant. Be, it's going to be flying across this particular country on that day. And as I was finishing up, there was this lightning storm that was oh, happening. Shit. And so I don't know if you were around on that Monday because people could see it from here, too. But as we were kind of getting in, there was just all this lightning and stuff like that. And so I just look out the window and I'm just seeing flashes and I look closer. I'm like, wow, I can see lightning like through the clouds, lighting them all up in the middle of the night and crashing down. But from eye level. Wow. So it was just such a like a trip. And I was like, you know what? That might have been my like, I don't know. I, I, I chose to take that as significant, as that, magical. Well, you yeah, know? you should. I, I totally think that. And I, I would love to see the sigil. But real quick back on what you're saying. Because like, I mean, I just want to talk about how for a second, how trippy the weather has not only been here. I mean, I've, I went to New Mexico. And so I got to see my fair share of awesome lightning and thunder. Um which you usually do around this time during monsoon season and stuff. But there was just, you know, among all of the crazy things going on in the country right now um, with, you know, natural disasters and, and whatnot, you know, earthquakes and, uh, and, you know, fires, but also the hurricanes, we have been suffering from, or not suffering, but we've been experiencing um, here in Southern California some very strange weather in that regard. You know, like a lot of the, stormy weather uh that has to do with like the, in a much more tropical sense like it's way more of like a tropical not hurricane because it's not as intense but there's definitely been wind and i experienced that the other day when i did take my you know when i was at home and i decided mm -hmm. to to go into my little my little psychedelic trip i ended up really that was like a theme because then all of a sudden you know outside i mean it was raining in the morning when it had been sunny before just rained yeah. out of nowhere and then and then it, you know, got like windy and it was like bright, like super bright and the air was warm and in my stomach I was all messed up and I was just, the whole theme related to that with me was storms. And on the road, when I had gone to New Mexico, it was the wind. 
the wind had played a huge like factor in my trip in so many ways because the wind I was driving a 16 foot truck you know I'm not a truck driver either, oh, which wow. is, it was a 16 foot truck with that. a lot yeah it was a big it was a pretty big truck for me you know where it was narrow and tall and so you're going on the 40 through all these de- like in New Mexico and Arizona and as you come around a bend it's just like a gust of wind that can literally oh, at yeah. one point in the morning on my way to the Grand Canyon I almost I had to go in luckily it was on a, a two-lane highway you know one each direction and luckily, there was nobody on the road because I would have been fucked. It really pushed me to a point where I had to, like, freaking hold on for dear life to the steering wheel. But I was in the other lane going and, and going, like, sideways. And oh, my God. Yeah. It, it kind of instilled this, like, fearlessness in me, though, when I got to the gang. Because I was, like, running around doing all this crazy <laughs> shit. But that was a huge theme for me. And even the music. Like, I was listening to a lot of random music. You know, a lot of, even, not, like, not even from my own playlist or whatnot. You know, just kind of, like on Spotify radio, like folk songs. And then the, the, the theme of wind kept coming up so often and several Bob Dylan songs and several oh. things. And so I was just like, okay, like, you know, this is, this is something that's interesting. You know, like you, like, like you said, I chose to, to relate it to, uh, to that. So the wind and, and then the storms, and it was just all about like, you know, the unpredictability of nature and, it decides, you know, because as humans, we always try to like predict everything and have everything down to a science where we're just going to say, well, no, that's that's not going to happen. And it's like, no, bitch, I'm Mother Nature. I will fuck with you if you think that I can't fuck with you, you know, so don't don't get too ahead of yourself. But I mean, that, that reminds me of that old Carlin bit, you know, when he says like, no, global warming, global warming and climate change are not going to kill the earth. Yeah. It's going to kill us. Yeah. The earth's still going to be here and she's going to be fine. Yeah. We are the ones who are fucked. Yeah. <laughs> true, true, true. Yeah. But anyways, man. about your sigil though, um, that's really awesome that you did it. So your sigil that you created was more, was it like your, your personal, like your kind of like your signature, if you will? For me, it was, um, it was, it was just a short phrase that I think encapsulated everything that I wanted to like do and be in life okay you know and it wasn't like really really specific uh-huh but it was um you know well are you supposed to talk about it because i know that with the spells and stuff when creating sigils you're really supposed to kind of just after you create it and charge it put it to the back of your mind and just kind of so that's that's and that's one of the things why i haven't been able to do one you know like for myself the way that certain people like you know aaron or other people have it like you know tattooed on them because mm-hmm. it represents them I don't really know. I mean, I guess that it is all just chaos magic and it's all Yeah, whatever I suppose it's, it's it. whatever intent that you kind of sure. you put into it. Because I've made but, several sigils for spells and I oh, okay. put them to the back of my mind. And like people ask me, because like, I've told my friends and they're like, well, what is it? I'm like, well, that kind of, I think will defeat the whole purpose if I talk about it. Because then it's supposed to be within your subconscious. and It's supposed to kind of sink in there. Yeah. And to me, I know I've like, I've, I've looked at it and I've said like, okay, yeah, no, don't like, it, it's almost like a... To me, it's like a like a little cat hanging from a tree, and it says "hang in there." You know, it's like one of those posters. It's your. It's one of those kind of things where you just you put so much meaning into it. It's supposed to make you feel better. Right. Okay. I was I was kind of expecting well, and to laugh the other on thing that too one, but <laughs> I think that you're supposed to just like get so fixated on the image and kind of forget about what the meaning is. But as long as you have that image engraved into your brain, that it just automatically puts. And sends that image, uh, the the meaning into your subconscious, which makes it. And know, that image something. is like driven, uh, you know, some power, some mm-hmm. motivation, some like getting things done and actually things going really well 
kind yeah. of since I did that. I've been wanting to do that for myself. I just can't. I'm so picky and like, and, and I haven't, you know, it just, and also with these sort of things, you know, when it comes to it, like it's like anything coming up with, you know, band names, song titles, things, any, in any creative sense, you definitely just have to kind of let it sink in and make sense to you. Like it has to click rather than you just trying so hard to reach out and find something. Um, and so I just figure that when it comes, it comes. Cause I've been trying to figure that out because I, I, I kind of think I want to, I, I don't ha I don't even have a signature for art, for art, like anything that mm -hmm. I create, like people are like, why don't you sign it? And I was like, well, I don't want to just sign it. Like, you know, just my name. Cause that doesn't, you know, I don't, I don't really yeah. know what I want to do yet. I'm still developing as an artist, but like soon I'm going to have to come up with something to, to mark my stuff with. And I just like thought about a sigil and I still haven't come up. I think with, that's awesome, man. I yeah. There should be, one, there should be art within the art. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. And actually, here, let me, can, if we give me a second here, but you know, there, there's no reason that no part of anything that you do creative can't be creative itself. Oh, no, like, I know. Yeah. You know, I'm actually, I'm really proud of the, uh, the team that we have in San Francisco that's been working on one of our games who finally just went gold. And it's one that I think everybody's really excited for. It's the new South Park game. Oh, nice. Yeah. And we've actually got the, the coon pillow, the farting coon pillow behind you that you just threw Do up on Do they have the... Jim Bob playing uh, Kendrick Lamar's Humble? <laughs> <laughs> did you see that? I did. That I was did. so good. Oh, he's just so like, good. He's like, my last stroke just went viral. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. Oh, man. I loved that. They're, I think they're, they're back in like perfect form this season yeah. i think last year and they they, they have admitted this too that yeah. like trying to go um with the serialization of, of season that worked out so well for them in season 19 that was great and then i think that the other year or like the next year it just kind of really fell apart well i'll be honest i i haven't seen so like if it weren't for somebody telling me how great this episode was like there's there's tons of episodes in recent years that i haven't seen and I do. I still will say that that's one of my favorite shows of all time. I think it's definitely up in the top, uh, in the very top for you know best satires of all time. Um, I, I think I think it is definitely deserving of one of the greatest shows of all time. I mean, no show goes twenty one years yeah. without being pretty damn good itself. You know, right? It's at least allowed to be in it on that conversation. Right. Oh, absolutely. Like, but it's even arguable that as far as satire is concerned, you know, it's probably. It could be the number one in, in terms of like how relevant it was week by week, you know, whenever they created it with with everything that had happened within that week. It was almost like watching reading a newspaper, uh, yeah, you know, because it, it, it really was. Yeah. I mean, this week's episode is all about, you know, the president and Kim Jong Un going back and forth at each other. Oh, and isn't that the one with uh, with the uh, with butters where like uh or is it Butter's place it's, where he's like tweet? He's tweeting about how it's like uh, he, Kim Jong Un's too much of a pussy to bomb. Uh, yeah, to yeah, bomb that, that was that was <laughs> the, the president was. Yeah, President Garrison is tweeting that, and then Tweak is freaking out the whole episode, going, "Why isn't everybody else losing their minds right now?" <laughs> it's it's perfect, man. And so the South Park game kind of just went. Uh, what we call it just went gold, which means it's ready to go out. Like the version that is, you know, that they have is the one that everybody's gonna have in their hands when it comes out on the 17th. And 
Uh, fuck, where was I? Where was I going with this? Because I did have a point. You were saying the people in San Francisco with the new South Park game, the reason their creative, uh, their creativity, you're giving them props. Bro. Oh, oh, that's right, that's right. I was gonna say because like the first and this like this made headlines, and I was there at I was there at the event, kind of prepping things for the journalists who kind of announced uh, this part of the game when we when we first showed it off, and it was. That even when you start the game, you know how you choose, like, okay, how hard do you want to make this game? It's, like, easy to hard, you okay. know, and usually there's a few different options there. Well, what they did with South Park is on the easy mode, there's, like, a, a color slider, and it goes from basically, like, a white to black. And as you choose to make the game harder, the character, your character's skin gets darker all wow. the way through. Wow. Yeah, so it's like, oh, do you want this to be easy or do you want it to be hard? And then you're you're black. Wow. It yeah, just right out of the gate, the first thing you do just hits you like that. And I was like, god damn, like something that simple. They chose to make such a powerful statement in that. And I think that I mean, it made it I, I saw that organically a thousand times. It made so much news. And yeah. and I mean, it doesn't actually make the game harder. But if you choose that, if if you choose to be black, Cartman comes in and he goes like, "Oh no, it doesn't actually make the combat harder, just literally everything else in your life." Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> and then like people will treat you differently, and like the cops will like harass you more and stuff like that. Right. It's it's pretty um, pretty incredible what those guys do and what they did. And that was another example of something where I'm like, you know what? They could have just, you know, you. I mean. Just putting a simple thing that says easy to hard is not phoning anything in. Right. But they chose to take these things that are usually, you know, a boring part of the process and already really setting the tone and making something so unique in there. Yeah. Oh, man. That's that's pretty awesome. It's for for the time that we're living in, too. It's just crazy times, you know, it's a, and uh, with all this. Yeah, it's just you heard what happened right over by, by your school, your old high school. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. They had a, I, and I didn't watch the video yet, but there was somebody who, uh, this kid, I guess he robbed somewhere, like a Seven Eleven or something. I have no it idea. Was, it was out in front of a Seven Eleven, so it probably wasn't that one. I know they were like chasing him, and then the story that I heard was that he had reached for something in the cop's belt, and then the cop pulled out his gun and went ahead and shot him seven times. Yeah. Right outside my old high school. Well, the, the, the fucked up thing about this, for me, that makes it really difficult and makes me observe it differently no matter what, is that you were at Desert Hearts. You, you met Brandon Tavares. Um, you met, uh, met him. He was a cool guy. He was with K-Tribe. Really awesome dude. Uh-huh. That's his brother. Or that was his brother. Whoa. Yeah. So he posted that yesterday, and I saw that, and I was just like, oh my god, you know? And so, like, automatically, no matter what, you know, I oh, I kind of took a step back, and I didn't do what everybody does, you know? Everybody watches these videos automatically with some sort of bias yeah. as to whether they're going to defend the cop or they're going to defend, you know, the person against the cop. And so it made it very difficult for me to do that because I'm watching this video and I'm seeing, you know, both sides of it. There's definitely both sides to this thing. It's a very complex situation, especially because even both the videos, you know how there's always one video that kind of shows more mm -hmm. that like, this is what happened. And then there's another video that shows and reveals something else that kind of might make you think something differently. Yeah. But even with both of those 
types of videos that make you think something differently, you still have absolutely no idea what's going on in the mind of these people, in the mind of the person, you know? And yeah. so I I don't know. I've, no, I've only known um, Brandon for a little bit, and I know he's a really awesome guy. And I just I feel really terrible no matter which way for his family. But, you know, from my understanding uh, is that his brother is suffering from some mental illnesses from, you know, he was a veteran, I guess. Um, oh, really? And yeah, he, he served the country and he's, he's suffering for, or he was suffering from some sort of mental illness. And so this was kind of like a, you know, they, they were, they were wondering if it was an intentional thing or whatever, but I don't know, man, just, it really just struck me when I'm seeing all the comments as usual of people who don't know anything about it still that want to have their opinions and want mm-hmm. to impose their own personal things in there and it just made me think like fuck you know because I, I never thought about that way before you know every single one of these circumstances has people that are involved that you know have tried their best in some sort of way to prevent this sort of thing from happening by being there for somebody or you know trying to you know, they, they they just had no control over it, and something happens, and then they have to be forced to see all of these comments and stuff from people mm-hmm. who have absolutely no idea either which way. They go and create waves and stir shit up on both ends without knowing anything, because mm-hmm. you you certainly do have that on both sides. You have the ignorance on both sides of people that oh, are absolutely. going and doing that. Yeah. And so I, I, I saw that too, and I refrained from commenting because I did not watch the video right. and, I, and I didn't think at the time there wasn't enough information out there for me to really say if there was a you know who that I felt was in the right um I did comment about like hey you know in in like a big thread it was a, a, a friend's post and you know there was just there was some good some good feedback going back and forth on two different sides of it right and then there was a couple of people one on one side and one on the other who were just you know well, fuck that fucking cop and blah, 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 blah. And that was like, fuck that kid. He deserved to die and yeah. shit like that. And you're just like, yo, whoa, let's fucking slow down. Like, right. People are just wanting to take a side, man. Those, they were both people. Yeah, you know? exactly. And mm. that's, you know, I, I actually, now I wish I had, I had watched the video so I could have a more, like, concrete when opinion. When you watch but it, I man, you're going to kind of feel, you're going to probably feel bummed out because it almost, it like... Because I don't, I don't know Brandon. Yeah. I, no. I but... But I think can, Emily was trying to tell me this yesterday, actually. Probably. And then we got distracted, and I didn't, I didn't realize this. Yeah. But, like, when you see it, you know, it's hard to see, because he shoots him way more than necessary. Seven you know? times. He could have shot him in the leg. He could have, I guess he tried to taser him, and, he, and, you know, he definitely attacked the police officer. Yeah. And he definitely was trying to reach for something, but at the point in which he shot him, he was a good, at least six feet away from him maybe yeah more. i know i saw it was pretty pretty point blank actually and and the dude was standing up still and you know t- i don't know i mean yeah it was it was pure seeing red you know like just adrenaline and anger and that, from like, from what i saw from what i read it was one two three four five a pause one two well that's what was weird is that it happened so quickly and in the video you can't see you can't really hear it like the noise is loud like you hear boom 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 but it he almost like did he was like he you know when somebody gets shot you would expect a lot more of a reaction like a like every initial bullet that hit him you would expect there to be some sort of like jerk or some sway to some side or falling over 
it like he stood still and until it all hit him and then he just went and crouched over and fell down okay. and that's why it was hard for me to watch because it didn't seem real at first it was kind of like wait did he really fucking shoot him yeah like, did he shoot him because it kind of seemed like he must have just tasered him or something or, or whatever because he i mean not to glorify in any which way uh him taking those bullets or whatever you know because it's, it's a devastating situation but mm. he fucking stood it like he he fucking boom, 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 and he was just standing there didn't make much of an expression you know and then went and fell down and it was um i mean i think that's more of a realistic take on that i think movies kind of condition us to have big kind of dramatic like you know right that's you true you know things from there when it's like there's adrenaline and shock that definitely play a factor and stuff like that that's and i don't true. know I don't know if you've ever been like seriously critically injured before, but like when I had like the left half of my skull like completely shattered, mm-hmm. it was um, I didn't even feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, all of a sudden I, I I felt like I had just been pushed, like I'd been pushed onto the ground, yeah. and my first instinct was to jump up and you know attack the person that had hit me, mm-hmm. and then when our people had helped me back and then I didn't realize anything was really all that wrong because I felt fine. Like mm-hmm. I was ready to go. I was ready mm-hmm. to run around. I could have done a hundred pushups right then. Mm-hmm. And that's adrenaline, mm-hmm. you know? And then it slowly starts to hit you over the next mm-hmm. hour or so when you start to calm down and you're like, oh, I'm missing half <laughs> of my skull. Wow. You know? And I've been there and it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a weird feeling. It doesn't feel... I mean, I've been hit in the face a bunch of times before, right. and it just felt like that, you know? See, I've been hit in the face where it should have hurt, but it was definitely, I think, alcohol playing a large effect as to why it probably didn't, <laughs> or a concussion, you know, just kind of go through. I, I do remember as a kid, too, I had a pitchfork. Uh, one of the uh, the spokes from the pitchfork uh, went through my forearm. Oh, wow. As I was a kid, I was playing, like, my dad and my grandfather were doing uh, yard work outside of my house over when I was living in Santa Ana. And my dad had the front, uh, his truck parked in the front driveway. And mm. I was a little kid just playing in the bed of the truck and on the outside, the reverse end. I'm not sure if the pitchfork was facing up or if it was on the ground or how it was. I don't remember feeling anything. I remember still, and I don't remember sound at a certain point. Mm-hmm. I just remember reactions and feeling like reactions from my parents and stuff and then I remember blacking out and waking up in a hospital mm-hmm. with my grandparents or my mom and my sister I mean sorry my mom and my mother but apparently I was jumping and I tried to like jump out of the truck and snagged myself with the pitchfork and it like went through oh. my arm as a little kid you know so probably definitely was a lot better for it to happen then than now because it probably mm-hmm. would have fucked me up a lot worse now. Um, I don't know. And yeah, so I, I kind of do know in that sense of like what the shock does. Like it just kind of yeah. takes you out of shock feeling and adrenaline. Anything. It, it keeps you, it keeps you from really experiencing that in the way that you think it would go. Yeah. You know, and then usually it's the reactions from other people that makes you realize, oh, this is bad. Yeah. I remember walking down the street after that. Like, I was fine. I was just trying to walk back to my friend's car so that we could all get in and leave. And every single person that passed by me was just, like, shocked and horrified. Yeah. And I was like, what? 
I was like looking around like who me? Yeah. What the fuck? I feel fine. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> it, it's it's a crazy it's it's a it's a weird feeling. Yeah. You know. But I mean, ultimately, I just want to say that I feel terrible for Brandon um, from the little bit that I know him, and I just wish that his family, he and his family, are able to deal with this um, and kind of just keep their head up above all of the hate or the the bad stuff that is getting said about anything from people who really are irrelevant you know people who are just that they don't even understand themselves what the hell they're doing and what kind of effect they're having on people's lives by just going and trying to impose their ideas and opinions and acting like that they that they need to do this that this is some sort of uh you know moral obligation to go on social media and just take their stance on whatever um it's it's a tough thing and i think I think there's two skills that us as a society, we're going to start developing over time. And one is dealing with people like that online, you know, yeah. people who have not quite learned empathy yet. And not, maybe they don't quite grasp that there is somebody on the other end of that screen. Right. And you're talking about, you know, first of all, a bunch of shit that you probably don't know. Like, I didn't know that he was a veteran with a mental illness. Right, like that and really that's still changes. Just hearsay from from what I've gathered through comments and such. You know, I don't, I still don't know, and I'm not going to go and text Brandon and be like, "Hey, dude, give me the lowdown, give me the story." That's not probably like, not the best time. Yeah, no, definitely not going to do that. Um, you know, it is. It, as, but it it, recon, re- it recontextualizes yeah. some stuff too. Yeah, and you know, oftentimes I see the people who are like, "Yeah, fuck," you know, "fuck that guy. They all deserve to die. Yeah, shoot him." Yeah, those are the that, same ones. Common who thing just was like, he had a death wish. He had a death wish. He was going on. By the way, they're making uh, they're making that a remake. I don't know if you've seen that. No. Uh, who who is it? Fuck! It's not. Uh, it's uh, Bruce Willis is mm, playing. Okay. It's a Charles Bronson character. Yeah. Uh, fucking from Death Wish. Oh, nice. Which is really interesting. I I don't know if I would have pegged it to be him. I mean, I guess it makes sense, but it just. I don't know. Well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about Bruce Willis anymore. At least yeah. not now. Not 2017 Bruce Willis. Yeah, I don't. I mean, he's got like, he's gonna t- put a, a whole new comedic spin on it, you know? Because I don't think that the originals were, in, in any which way, supposed to be intentionally comedic. <laughs> they were definitely as <laughs> as they got into the sequels, you know, they were definitely more. Um, they were just naturally funny because yeah. they didn't help but laugh at how ridiculous they were. And if anybody wants some ice cream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got that coming by. I think that's getting picked I up. If right they now. still have those old WWF. What well, they? I don't know why they would. Be. They're probably still from like the nineties. Yeah, they yeah, still have ice still, cream in there. Yeah, it's just been frozen this whole time. <laughs> I remember I, I used to get the, the Hitman Heart one and get it, and it was like tasted bomb. Oh, for me it was always those those Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle ones. Okay, those had like a little Michelangelo with the, face with on the there. Candy ball eyeballs. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. Good times, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, I used to love those Good shits. stuff. And then the strawberry shortcake, uh, Cat and Crunch things. Oh, yeah. Can't go wrong with those. Absolutely. Oh, man. And then, well, we used to buy, like, stink bombs and, you know, like, the plastic guns with the rubber bullets. Oh, yeah. Everything. I pretty much all the it's toys that you can get. The cap guns with, like, the little rubber bullet things. And it was all fun until I got shot in the eye with one. Isn't that what they say? Yeah. It's yeah. all fun until someone shoots <laughs> your eye out. Well, <laughs> yeah, it was it was always fun until we graduated to airsoft guns when oh, I was yeah. a kid. Yeah, yeah. And you know, those used to the Bolsa Chica wetlands over here used to be just nothing. Where there's all these houses right now, mm-hmm. it was just all empty just marshland. Yep. And so we would go down there. We got serious about it. We yeah. had all these like 
we had like fully electric like automatic automatic, automatic yeah. ones and they aside from the orange tip they looked pretty real yeah and we go and we just split up into teams and i remember i had actually i had a ga- I had two gas-powered Berettas because I thought that was cool. Yeah. And so I would like I would have those and a few extra clips, and we would run around just shooting, shooting stuff, shooting each other, and yeah, it was all fun and games until one day, I was uh, playing in the backyard at my buddy's house, and then I came around the corner and at about twenty yards I shot and hit my buddy in the tooth and knocked it out, and I was like, oh shit, we should be not playing with just glasses, which I was playing with a paintball mask, but oh. Yeah, so those things are all, dangerous. I think we've all gone through that at one point because, yeah, we would play in the backyards and we, we would go to the school, the elementary or the intermediate school, and we would like, go on the roofs and stuff until, like, we would get yelled at and chased by, like, janitors or something. Yeah. Like, we would go and it was off and we'd do that. And then, like, the cops would be coming around because, I mean, we decided to play at a school where the police station just happened to be, like, a few, <laughs> you know, right down the street anyways. Yeah. But you're right. Always, there was always somebody that got fucked up, you know, from from doing that. And I was amongst the, the people that didn't, like, you know, I wasn't allowed to have those guns, and so mm-hmm. like I only had just like the regular like handguns with the clips that you had to manually load. Oh yeah, the, and, the springs. And so we would yeah. yeah with the springs, and then so the fucking the other kids would have like the guns like you're talking about, and just like <laughs> it was just not fair, you know, it would just get fucked up. <laughs> oh man, it was fun though. It was it was a great time. Yeah, those those were good times, man. I missed I missed that game. I haven't played that in a long time. Nobody it, nobody does paintball. Nobody does that kind of shit anymore. But you know, it's interesting how we're going from talking about you know this tragedy that happens from guns, and then how. We, that's we that used to play with them. That and, wasn't intentional, and that is like a microcosm right there, right? Of you, like you but, know, our attitudes in this. It's I, you know, I'm not anti-gun or anything, but that's like, uh, yeah, that's a trip. You yeah, know? and I'm not anti-gun either. I, I wonder if that is like a cultural problem. Well, you know, in this particular situation, though, it wasn't you know that the kid was in any which way you know misusing his gun, and I don't. Necessarily, well, I mean, I mean, he didn't have a gun. Yeah, he right? didn't have a gun. That's yeah. what I mean. So he wasn't doing anything wrong with the gun. And then, you know, with uh, the, the police officer situation, it really just came down to judgment. You know, and, and yeah, you know, uh, being able to to control his emotions throughout the. I mean, it's it's also you know like like we said before, it's an incredibly insanely difficult job that I think is damn near impossible to do. Right. And frankly, we don't hire. It, it's not like a top job. It's not where our best and brightest go. No. Usually it's, and I mean, sorry to any cops out there. I know there are people out there who are legitimately like trying to, you know, protect yeah. and serve. And that right. is that is their calling and stuff like that. Something they've always wanted to do. But for a lot of people, it's like they were just meatheads who couldn't they kind of st- cut it. The stereotype, or the kids that got else. picked on and, you know, wanted to, to do, um, to, you know, the ones that wanted to get revenge, if you will, on the, yeah. the people who fucked with them their whole lives, too. Yeah, trading all that for just power. Yeah. You know? But, like, I mean, hell, you saw the Rick and Morty from uh, two weeks ago? I did. The I cop one? Remind me the cop one, where it's... it's where they're yeah they go back so, to the citadel so and they have the cops and Morty's Morty's like a corrupt Morty yeah like he, it's like training day with yeah. like Rick and Morty god they just get so meta with their show oh stuff too god. it's like so they, funny though and making such great points and they do they do yeah and this season has been firing on all cylinders we are like nine ten episodes in now 
And I think it's like a double season, right? Has it been nine? I think. It's I mean, maybe it's eight. It's eight or I think I want to say it's been eight. You're probably with this right. Past week. They just keep coming and coming. Yeah. Yeah, with nine coming uh, uh, tomorrow, I think. You know what show I just days. started though that was fucking amazing, and I'm so sad that there's only one season. And you've talked about it. Several people have talked about it. It just finally came to Hulu, so I was able to watch it. Was Atlanta. Oh, oh, good. It's finally on Hulu. It's finally on Hulu. Thank you. Okay, yeah. I can start directing people there. It yeah. is fucking incredible, it's man. It's so good. It's fucking, like, it's so artistically creative. He, you know, because it's, it's got, like, a level of serious situations that, you know, are definitely believable. Like, everything mm-hmm. in there is something that, like, you, you could definitely see happening. Like, even just down to the, the name and the song of Paperboy and like how, you know, it's oh, kind of yeah, cheesy yeah. it is and just kind of how basic <laughs> it is. But, but like everything about it just seems so real. And There's so much brilliant satire yeah. in that show. It's so funny. Yeah. And then it makes such great points. Well, and I think the points about the racial inequality and perception on races that he makes to me is, are the best because it's not as much of it's not as much of just like overly like you know just i don't even know how to how to say it he just does it in such a subtle way that like it's like oh wow like for everybody to just kind of see like hey look i'm not trying to make too much of a fucking big deal and exaggerate things this yeah. is just fucking how it is like yeah. you know this is how these people are perceiving this or this is how they're acting towards the situation because you probably have seen people act that way in your own your own life you know the way oh absolutely it, yeah so, i i think it's i I, I kind of like this, you know, trend of great, uh, uh, you know, I guess racial satire, you know, kind of the, the point that they're trying to make is not for the people who are just outright racist anymore, mm-hmm. you know, they, they are, and it, it's not even that the people that are doing some of these things are doing it with malicious intent, but it is something that like makes people uncomfortable when you talk about movies like Get Out and when you, and when you look at, I haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't seen no, it? No. Oh, it's, so don't ruin it. It's a phenomenal I, film. I know. That's another. That's another yeah. one of the ones I just have to to have to check out. Yeah, and it's not really you know when it when it talks about you know race and stuff like that. It's not necessarily attacking like you know that it's not demonizing southern white stereo- people. Uh, it, it well, it, no, it? it's not actually it's not demonizing white people. No, but it's not. It's not like going. It doesn't have that a title as, as obvious as like "Dear White People." Yeah, like that show, "Dear White People." It's like <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't get into that because it's just too much of. I liked the movie that that was based off of, but um, I haven't seen the show. Yeah, I mean, it's I, just... I think it was. I I think the "Dear White People" was like the name of like the. I think it's a campus radio show. If it follows the same thing as the movie, that was called "Dear White People," I have not and it's seen like either. I think it's from back. I think it's like somewhat historical. I want to say like the seventies uh-huh. at, at like a, at an all black college. Anyways, I'm trying to remember the movie. I remember it being uh, pretty funny and pretty all right. But anyways, I don't want to tell too much about that because I don't really remember it all that well. Mm-hmm. But I think Atlanta has done a great job of, you know, I, I think I think we can kind of say that we won a little bit of the gigantic racist battle. Mm-hmm. You know, the Jim Crow era. You know, people who literally think that they should be separate. I think I think Jim Crow, the whole scene where he's doing this spoken word, the white dude. Oh yeah, he's that's like doing that's this Jim Crow. <laughs> that's the one I'm talking about. That was, and then and I, I love the part where he's just like, you know, he's trying, he's trying to like, you know, appease like the people and and make his, you know, do well for his girl. But then he's just like, 
it's too real. Like he, he keeps it real. He's just like, no, you know, this is this is fucking stupid. This is dumb. Yeah. This is fucking dumb. He, like I'm I'm done with this. This is fucking stupid. Because honestly, like I'm at the point in my life too where I kind of I you know I catch myself stressing out or freaking out or trying to please people for this or that reason. You know based on, you know, prof- prof- for the sake of professionalism or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever society tells me that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. But I get to these points where I'm just like, you know, it, it, it now is this time where you either choose to conform to this and, and be a fucking sellout or, you know, r- basically sell out who you are as a person or just keep it real. And it's like, no, sorry, I'm not going to do that. And so that was like a great, powerful scene for me where he's just like, no, fuck this. Like, I don't care. I'd rather be broke. And it's not even about pride it's just about fucking you know like being real like well i'm not gonna pretend and play this fucking game of madness with you guys and like you know just enable you guys and you know to reinforce this negative behavior it's just uh i i think that's a great that's a great point you know and 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 he made it so well in the show and that's the episode that i'm talking about where Mm -hmm. he uh you know there's it's like i don't know how would you describe that this guy who just revers black culture so much that he's almost made a parody of it in his own thing, you know, and he's got his like his black well, trophy wife. I think wife that that's himself. a very important point because that is so, uh, you know, relevant these days. There are so many people for not just the, the Black Lives Matters movement, but in all kinds of movements, in different movements where you get people who try to in the name of, you know, they think they're doing the right thing. They think yeah. that they're, they, they, in their mind, you know, they do love and they want for better things, but then they get carried away and they don't really see how ridiculous they seem yeah. by being the ones to go and speak on behalf of people or do things in such a way when really they're not actually at any more, they're not, you know, they're not actually like doing it for the person because they're going off of their own, their own, um, it, it does. It does usually come off as if they're doing it for themselves, right? You know, you know so social brownie points in that way. Like you know, the white guilt thing. A lot of times, people are trying to, uh, or with any any movement, you know, there there comes a point where there are certain people, even if their intentions started off great, where they do it as a competition amongst other people to see who's more, uh, you know, who's who's just doing more for that movement, mm-hmm. and. And I, you know, I'm thinking about this a little bit lately. Is that I think we need more words for, like, because that's not racism, you know. I feel like racism gets thrown around a little bit too much these days, and there are so many degrees of it. But oh, yeah. I feel like that is, like, not necessarily beneficial to the culture that they think that they're benefiting. Right. Because I've talked about this term before, but the soft bigotry of low expectations. I think I think that is, that's kind of the next frontier in achieving equality is is figuring out you know what to do with that and i think you know shows like atlanta and movies like get out uh at least for black people are are you know at least they're fighting that fight right i think we've got some you know modern day geniuses like donald glover and jordan peele and you know a ton of other people who are out there working today who are kind of chipping away at that right you know kind of getting into it and kind of making, you know, the elite coastal liberals think a little bit about, you know, 
their behavior and, and things like that. Right. And, and you were saying it, though, too, that it's not necessarily about trying to just call out outright racists, but also trying to make people realize that they don't understand that even if they aren't themselves racist, that they are not going to still understand the struggles and the inequalities that still exist, even though we've come such a uh, such a far away from mm-hmm. what it used to be, because it goes both ways. You know, we, we shouldn't sit and, and you know take for granted how far we've come, but we shouldn't also not rest on where we're at. You know, we should still keep fighting for uh, equality and you know social justice, but there are different ways to do it. And I actually had a conversation at a party recently, and I was pretty buzzed. Um, and there's a fellow friend of mine that. Uh, that he's black he was he made up a good point to me you know and it was that because i I was saying how it's different you know there's not as much racism here probably as where he grew up in new york or what or you know wherever and he was like that's not true and i said well dude i mean like i went to school here and you know we were among a very mixed culture in garden grove like you know i can understand in certain Mm -hmm. places in the country there's definitely you got black schools white schools even in california if you go like to riverside you know there's a lot of racial tension between like blacks and Mexicans, and then you got like yeah, you know, there being dip- shots going a little bit north to yeah. um, to a little like a small town like yeah halfway in the middle of California called right. Tehachapi right and seeing I was like oh no this is like yeah there's a lot of rednecks here this yeah. is all white they there's- didn't grow up with anybody that wasn't white oh, and yeah. that's such a trip to me because yeah. when me and you have experienced that like yeah. just growing up in a world that was so I mean ethnically diverse that it's not even it's not even a thing a second right. thought really. Right, exactly, and my I even have cousins cousins that have visited from New Mexico, and they see an Asian girl, and they're just like, "Oh my god!" Like they're just so excited because they never see like Asian people, and I'm just like, "Dude, like I That's grew, so I went crazy. to Garden Grove, yeah. and uh, you know, go to Garden Grove High, and we're like Garden Grove and Westminster, are like the dense, the most densely populated areas uh, with Vietnamese people, as well as like you know, other Asians, Koreans, and mm. and, and uh, other Asian, uh, you know, Filipino people, and yeah. and whatnot, other than the actual countries that they that their families have come from and so i was explaining this which you know to my to my point was that you know it's not as bad here as it is in other places but he was like just saying you still don't understand and you're never going to understand Mm -hmm. and it hit me i was like you know what like you're right and i'm not trying to speak on behalf of like black people you know i'm all i can say is that i really because you know when it comes to people picking a movement or a side I do see where the All Lives Matter people come from that aren't racist in the sense that they're just like, why are you trying to bring it up if Mm -hmm. I'm not racist? Why are you trying to make me feel the difference more? Mm -hmm. Why don't you just let me be? And it's not so much to that they're, you know, it kind of goes both ways and I I see it on both ends, but uh, it's because if you don't don't understand or you just don't acknowledge that it does happen and it's going to happen and get worse. Um, But... All I can do is just, you know, try to love everybody as much as equally as possible, but understand that it still exists and, yeah. and understand that it's still there. And we can't say that we're done. You no, know? We oh, can't, absolutely We can't not. rest because we think we're done. No. And the people, I think, who say all lives matter are the people who think that they're done. No, yeah, well, see, it's just the thing of that they don't want to... They, I, I feel like a lot of them just don't want to think about it anymore because they as long they think well as long as i'm treating everybody fairly and equally that it's that it's going to be fine and the more we keep pointing out these differences the more that people start to develop negative opinions about it and that but that's going to happen no matter what yeah. that will happen no matter what that 
that's going to happen if you that's already happening even with the movements you know because it is true like you're you're creating a sense of opposition you know if you tell somebody and you forcefully tell somebody that they're wrong there's there's different degrees variant degrees of people within these movements some of them who have all of them who may have started off with great intentions but some of them are actually more effective in the, their approach to explaining these ideas to people rather than forcefully going outright and saying, you're fucking dumb, man. You're ignorant. You're racist. Oh, if you don't believe that there's racism that exists, then you're a part of the problem. It's like, what? I, you know, because I'll tell you, I yeah, grew when up you with put some kids. On, when you put people on the defensive like that. I think that's pretty much what fucking happened in a large way with who was our president today. You have a lot of people who didn't give a shit about this guy beforehand and, you know, they, they're, but they don't agree with certain other aspects of policies and, and, you know, anything in politics, but they, for whatever reason, they might not know, they might be ignorant, it doesn't matter, but then you get people that automatically generalize and throw somebody into this group. It's like, well, fuck, if you're not voting for Hillary Clinton, then you're a fucking racist or sexist. It's like, no, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. What are you talking about? No, you are. And then so naturally, I've seen kids that I grew up with that I knew weren't racist. They were, in fact, they were just the white kids that got picked on because they went to such a multicultural school. Mm-hmm. They got picked on for being white. And not understanding and not getting it and not even though they tried and they always they always try to get along with the black kids. They always yeah. try to get along with everybody. You know, they even dressed, if you will, like well the 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 term was wigger, you mm-hmm. know, they would yeah. they would dress like uh, you know, black people try to act black and stuff and would never even get accepted from from black people because and, and it's and not they, that they're being racist or they just don't get it. They they really like, you know, want to identify and relate to these people or that's just the area that they grew up in and that's something that they yeah that's something and, that they, they gravitate to you and know? then so after going through all this as they get older and they realize well fuck i don't fit in with them and then all these people are telling me that i'm being racist or i'm just never going to understand and i'm automatically the devil well fuck they're kind of pushed into a fucking corner now and then they reverse their roles i'm not justifying it i'm not saying that it's right but i'm just saying that this happens. is how it happens yeah so you have to be mindful of you know how to be effective when trying to to get a point across rather than just trying to, you know, if you want to be effective, if you want to affect a positive change, go about it in a way, use some sort of fucking sense of psychology, you know, not just this group think and team play of like. And I think we should like, like at an early age, start teaching kids about psychology and group psychology and just very, very simple like explanations that would explain a lot of bad behaviors, you know? Right. Like understanding how like, you know, childhood trauma could affect somebody's life, you know, later on or, or these phenomenons and tribalism and how everybody does want to belong, you know, mm-hmm. and that you can choose your, you know, your, you can identify with whatever you want. You can latch onto these things, but that's not always healthy. You know, right. we all know somebody who like, oh, yeah, I smoke weed all day, dude. And they, yeah. they use that as a substitute for a personality rather than, you know, actually sitting on the, 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 the merits of their thing. And, and so... Yeah, that's true. And, and, you know, like even, okay, so to go into what, to what, uh, you know, how it affects people differently in, in every circumstances, the tribalism is a huge thing. I, I kind of like, I like the idea of, you know, ancient tribalism and how they stuck together and like the idea of family and mm-hmm. being there for your family and your people, but ultimately expanding that idea outward to humans as a whole, because, Culture, though it's important, and I think that everybody should 
you know, feel happy about whatever culture that they, they want to feel happy about, they should also be able to choose whatever culture that they want to be. And, and this goes kind of against what we were saying about how that guy is like, well, you know, he loves black people so much and, and he's trying to, you know, overdo it and well, put, put himself in. But for I what... would say the, 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 the difference between that is understanding who you are and your upbringing right. and knowing that you are just not black but a right. fan of black people right you can you can yeah accepting that you, even though as much as you respect and love and admire everything about the black culture you're not black yourself and i think that goes in with like native american people i know a lot of people who really look up to and admire the ways the ancient uh, wisdom that native american people you know uh taught and and the way that they live their life but then they often think, well, I'm Native American, then they come across some real Native American, and it just comes off as completely insulting and yeah. completely, you know, uh, just stupid. And if it, 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 it reaches a point of silly, you know, a point of parody, but then and you can, you yeah. know, that becomes transparent when you're forcing it. But race, you know, shouldn't obviously have anything to do with your culture because we could see that as you go to places in Europe, like you can go to. I want to applaud. I'm yeah, so yeah, it I, should not have anything to do with your culture because we see that in London. You can go over to London and you can see the way that Black people are, as opposed to the way they are here in you know in LA, is the way they are in Atlanta. They're mm -hmm. all there's very different cultures, and it's not always about race. People like to target and they think that it is about the skin color race. But it's about culture and you often look and status, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of times, if you know, you'll go somewhere. They're not just looking at your skin color. They're looking at more of like the way you're dressed, the way you the act. Way, and it's not good. Out. It's still not good to do yeah. that. It's not right to judge people based on these appearances whatsoever. But it definitely has more to do with the culture. Mm -hmm. And I grew up getting, uh, you know, a lot of anger pushed my way from Hispanic people that thought I was... Uh, ashamed of my culture a pocho that i was you know yeah, yeah like me the, and you, you both know, yeah they just they just think oh he's just whitewashed is mm -hmm. the term that they threw around you know even americanized is another term that i'm just i mean i'm american yeah you know like americanized like i was born in america yeah i was here the whole time i didn't grow up in mexico I don't even have any living relatives that I know of in Mexico. Mm -hmm. I'm a dark-skinned motherfucker that yeah. looks like I should speak Spanish, but I also look to a lot of people that I should speak Farsi or you know, <laughs> uh, you know, some sort of other Middle Eastern uh, language. Um, I I just grew up the way that I grew up, and I didn't abandon anything. You know, there was little things here and there from the Mexican or Hispanic culture that that my family, you know, still had from whatever roots they had. Yeah, but we, my family's been in Colorado and New Mexico and places like that for a very, very long time. And my grandparents got beat in school for speaking Spanish, yeah. you know? And so they naturally didn't they want didn't, my... They don't teach it to them. They didn't That's want their kids to go thing. through it. Yeah. So we, like my parents, when I hear my dad, you know, try to speak Spanish or my mom, it's kind of hilarious. Like, it's funny, <laughs> you know, because it's just so... It's just not good Spanish, yeah. you know? And it's not like... And it's very obvious. And so... I have a discomfort with trying to speak it because I'm just, you know, I, I'd rather be more effective in communicating. And so if I can't speak it properly, mm -hmm. I, I, I would love to learn the language. But I also would love to learn other languages, too. Like, I get it so much from people that, you know, sp that Spanish is their first language that come here. And then, you know, I get it. I get where their, their anger or their, you know, frustration comes from um, because of how their people are treated here. And, 
um, you know, sort of like second class citizens and they just, you know, are ashamed that English is shoved down their throat so much and that it's looked down upon to, to speak Spanish. When we're one of the of only countries that doesn't bother to teach a different language. Right, right. And I, I agree with that. I think that we should be, you know, teaching separate ones and, and putting more emphasis on it because when you go to Europe, like all of those motherfucking countries, they speak, they speak their multilingual. Yeah, and they teach them. And that's very important because communication is very important. And that's one of the uh, biggest factors in them thinking that we're dumb because we only speak English. So when America comes through, they have to speak Right. They have to speak English and right. try to remember what they learned, you know, Absolutely. going up through their high school. But you know. when I get it shoved down my throat that I need to do it from my roots, my culture, because then it's just like I roll my eyes and I say, dude, you're talking about a language from a nation that came and raped and took over yeah, all of really the indigenous people. Far. Yeah. Of where you're from, so you're not even speaking your true root language. You're not even doing that. If we want to get back to it, we can go all back to a, a certain point, you know. So at some point, you know, you're I, just letting your pride come from your own situations and your own hurt from what you've experienced personally come out in everybody else without really examining and say, hey, like this guy, he's doing what he's doing. I grew up in front of the television. I watched a lot of TV. Yeah, I. Understand my, pop culture. That's my language. Yeah, no, <laughs> my culture comes so much from that. And yeah. now it's like it's not even like I don't even think about it anymore. I literally like I'm not trying to make a point when people ask me like, "Oh, what are you?" My answer is always American. Yeah, you know, because that that is what I am. That's the culture that I grew up with. And I think it's so detrimental to do that to people who I mean of of a certain race. And I see it in Mexican culture. I've seen that firsthand a lot. And you know, you see it in Black culture too. You see it in all these cultures where your own culture will police you into following stereotypes and things like that. Right. And it's, you know... Tribalism. It's, yeah, it is tribalism. To, and yeah. and I remember being younger and, like, wanting to identify more with, you know, my cultural roots because I thought I was supposed to. You know, mm -hmm. that could have been my team. Right. And, you know, it, it of course, it is. I speak, I speak pretty decent Spanish, much better than my parents did. And, um... You know, and I made that effort to learn it and work in kitchens and just just you know work hard and, and at at it right. and understanding more of the culture and and being a part of it. Um, but it's not really my culture, no. you know. Well, we're blessed now. We have we're mobile. We can choose it. We're mobile. We have information spread. Tribalism comes from tribes that existed mm -hmm. separately across the world. Different tribes that live different ways because that's where they lived and that's how they came up with things. Now we're all over the place. We have access to information on from every tribe, from every culture, and we should be able to explore. We should explore mm -hmm. as many cultures as we can. And there's, you know, like I've said it before so many times that one of the things that I think that when you talk about why is there so much difficulty or problems in America compared to other countries regarding certain issues, mm -hmm. you know, being why are people so stubborn or prideful or gun crazy or this and that and it compared to places like Australia. Mm -hmm. Well, when you're an Australian, after you graduate college or, or whenever it is, they fucking send their kids off to travel the fucking world, you know, for like summers or years or yeah. like a couple of years you know a lot of cultures push for their uh you know kids to at some point go and experience the world not many people i mean we see it a lot with a lot of our friends we see people traveling and stuff you know we got it all over instagram and people are going here and they're doing this and that 
But I would still say that, you know, and I don't know the statistics, but a majority of Americans never fucking travel. I a think, lot of yeah. them never even get outside of their bubble. I mean, even if you travel within the states, mm-hmm. get out of your state. Get out of Southern California. Get out of Orange County. Go mm-hmm. get out of L.A. Go see the way that other people live. Yeah. And Go put yourself in their situation and realize that you're now in their territory. And so it's not about them conforming to the way that you think things are supposed to be. You embrace it. You love it. You mm-hmm. take what you like from those cultures. I've taken what I've liked from every single place that I've gone. And there's certain things that I don't care for. And I just don't. I and, don't have to hate on it. I and it's humbling. It. You yeah. know? Like, I went. I was in San Francisco a few weeks ago. And I was just hungover as shit. And I didn't have to work till later <laughs> that day. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to walk to Chinatown by myself. My headphones in. That's a great And go, example, yeah. yeah, just walk through there. Look at some stuff. I'll find, you know, a pork bun for breakfast. And I'll get some, like, you know, tapioca coffee. And Next I, time you got to go to RNG Lounge and get their special beef. Even though you don't uh, eat beef no no, no i do yeah okay, I, okay I'll, I'll have to check that out I'll write that down. it's right across from david's uh, liquor store yeah okay cool it's I'll... over by the um it's over by the uh, what's it called that the chinese history museum the like tall oh, okay the tall tall building right over there so you'll see it and it goes down there's it's like totally out of a movie it's like a under underground like little restaurant thing but okay. special beef i'm telling you yeah actually okay well, i'll get to this story in a second <laughs> but yeah i remember i walked into this little just you know, this little cafe that looked like it was good, and I saw the port buns in the window, and so I went and walked in, and I, like, had no idea how to order anything. And they bear everybody in there barely spoke English. I was uh-huh. the only non-Chinese person in there. And it was just such a trip, but a humbling experience, too, where I, like, had to, you know, kind of just look and point, and then, I, you know, can I go sit down over here? They're like, yeah, and they kind of got it ready, and I, I didn't know what I was doing. But it was interesting to just kind of be there and something that was that was so foreign. And it's like, yeah, no, it's not just you out there. You don't know everything. And actually, as I was there, I heard. Um, uh, I actually, I was just there two nights ago, uh, not at the same place, but I was in San Francisco, and they were telling me about. Uh, he's like, oh yeah, like right under that is like Opium Alley. That's like where all the <laughs> opium dens are. And I was like, oh shit, I did not know that. There's so much of a of an underground there. Well. Metaphorically and literally. Got to check that out soon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to make a trip out there, man. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's been it's been crazy because the last time I talked to you it was um I had just gotten back to my first round through San Francisco. Uh-huh. And then I went to Vegas and I fucking hate Vegas. Vegas. Vegas sucks. It's the worst. Vegas man. is terrible. I don't understand it, how people can still like if I have to go for a bachelor party or something like that, maybe and I, I, when I was 21 to 25, I was there like every other month at yeah. least and you liked it. But then now I don't understand how people are in their thirties and forties and they're just like, as soon I as they get like a weekend off or they got money to blow, they're like, let's go to Vegas. It's like, why? I think it's just cause they, <laughs> they think that's what you do. I think, I think that's like there some are weird so cultural so many thing. places you, it is, it totally is. is. There's so many places you can go and experience and guess what? You could still drink yeah. and get fucked up, but you're not allowed to walk outside with your drinks. 
Well, just fucking do it anyways, pussy. Yeah. yeah. Fucking do yeah. it until they tell Could you not to. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, do it until they tell you not to, you know? like Or, how about this? Go to a bar, drink, and then go to another bar. Like, how much are you fucking doing on the strip when you're walking out there with your cocktail anyways? Like, yeah. you know, you're just getting suckered into going to strip clubs or fucking cl- other clubs and spending and going $40 for a guy like to that. get into a club that's overcrowded and it's you can't see anybody. It's the most inconvenient city in the world, man. Right. They're, you know, at every little thing costs twenty five dollars. Yeah. You know, things that everywhere else it's free. Right. They and they do that on purpose. And I remember I was actually there on the weekend of the Mayweather McGregor fight. Oh shit. And it was insane. Madhouse, I bet. It was a fucking madhouse out there. And of course you can't order pay per view in any of the hotels in Vegas because they force you Yeah, yeah. They they actually shut it down and they like they, they locked everybody out of that. So that you had to go to a Vegas place that was showing the fight, huh. and the co- the cheapest cover that we could find was two hundred and fifty dollars a person to what? just to get into the bar so that you could watch the fight. So basically, if you don't have a ticket and you're not rich, if you don't have an actual ticket to the fight and you're not rich, then you're not watching the fight in Vegas. Not from Vegas. Not what from, about like in the private the residentials though, like in the neighborhoods and stuff? Do you think that they do that? There I as don't well? know. We didn't. We didn't get that far right, out because right. we're all kind of stuck there. I would. Stuck cars I would wonder how they could even do that. But I, yeah, I, don't, I don't think they would be able to block it from there. But the major hotels and stuff like that, I was like, wow, that's kind of that's fucked. Monopolizing so, that situation, just fucking you, like making you do what they want to do, you know? Yeah. And so we were we were trying to do it like on the Wi-Fi. Even the white like the like we could barely get onto the Wi-Fi. To get it done because like Wi-Fi at like five megabytes per second is like forty bucks a night, wow. and so we were able to like get that, and then we realized that they actually locked down all the HDMI ports in the TVs, and then we kind of like did all this research and found out that the TVs all like are designed for you not to be able to plug your own stuff in, so you have to buy, you know, hotel movies and things like that, mm-hmm. and so it took about eight professional IT nerds. To hack a fucking stream together, but we were able to finally get that fight up. <laughs> wow! As we're all crowding around, like a. What do you think about it? Uh, I loved it actually. It was actually entertaining. I, it was it not was, bad. I had kind of a little bit low expectations for how the fight itself was actually going to go, uh-huh. but goddamn, if Connor is not like, uh, he came out, he surprised the hell out of me. Yeah, you he know, did. he's a good I, boxer. He's a good. He bo- was he's a, a fantastic boxer. boxer. And I think he, you know, he just ran out of gas in that, in that it's a eighth or ninth round. It's a different pace of every, I mean, like, the two sports are night and day in terms of how much energy is exerted at which rate, you know? Like, boxing is a game of pace, you know? It's yeah. definitely a game of endurance and long-lasting pace. And then, you know, MMA, even though a lot of times it seems like it takes somebody a long time to strike or really I mean, do there's anything, some different strategies but there's still so much adrenaline and force and energy because you really have to exert as much energy into each, you know, attack as you can. And then mm-hmm. once you get going, you know, just the fact that you have like, there's wrestling and all the other stuff involved, you know, there are just certain natural instincts that you can't break as a fighter, especially at that level. So when he would go and grab uh, you know, and he'd turn around and grab, and it's like, you know, it's really difficult for somebody who's Well, just I mean, he in... was kind of grabbing, and then Floyd was kind of, like, turning his back Tor- on purpose uh, yeah, after because while, he, he knew there. I'm like, grab. oh, that's kind of a bitch move, yeah. though. Yeah. But, you know what? I was still yeah. kind of weirdly, weirdly proud of Connor because oh, yeah. I thought he brought so much, like, yeah. you know, 
brought so much respect to MMA being yeah. able to go in there and put the most hurt on yeah. Floyd Mayweather I've ever seen. Yeah. I think that was a, I mean, that was really an incredible fight with those two put together, right. bringing those two worlds in. And, and even though... The size, too. Yeah, even though I, I really dislike both of them as people, I thought <laughs> that was a, a great kind of thing that happened. Yeah. And that was, that was really cool, man. Well, it was kind of funny because people were already, where we were watching it, we were actually at Zach's and we were watching the fight and death afterward. You know, some people were just like, what the fuck? It's because, like, McGregor goes and says something. You fight like a Mexican. You fight like a Mexican, like, tells, tells him something like that. And it, they're everyone's just like, what? What a piece of shit. I'm like, no, 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 no. That, that's a compliment. He's complimenting him. Yeah. He's telling him, like, that's a good thing, you know, because, like, he also, fights against These Mexican. are people who don't know who Conor McGregor yeah. is. Who don't know why I'm like, no, he's a piece of shit as a person. Well, he's but... A, but he's a, that's how, like, Irish people are like that. You know, like, the way that, like... <laughs> Tradition. The people from I mean, Ireland. He, he's England, a meathead. You yeah, know, he doesn't. He doesn't care about a. Well, he's a meathead, but like even that. there's people that are like they don't. You know, that's. It's very much. It's. It's not a race thing. Like back to what we were saying, mm-hmm. it's a cultural thing. It's a national thing over there. When yeah. You're in Europe, like they, like the British hate the fucking Welsh, uh, and you know yeah. they, they hate the Irish and Scottish. They yeah. all fucking hate each other. You know, but they're all white. But they all, you know, they talk shit on each other like that, and they throw things out there. Yeah. And you know, I, I think that the Irish people really have something that they, you know, relate to Mexican people with. I think that yeah. on both ends, they're kind of very similar. You know, they like they're they're a little bit more humble and hardworking, and you know, they probably generally as as a you know, yeah. an, actually an, in this country, like uh, black people and Irish people. I mean, there was like a like a history of a, of a long bond between the two. Right. You know, black Irish being a term, and then you get people like Shaquille O'Neal. Like, there's like, there, because their struggles were somewhat similar. Obviously, right. not the same, but you know, Irish people were second class citizens, just like, you know, just like everyone else at the time. When I was down there in TJ, I saw some dudes that were from Ireland that were like, one dude was by himself, and you know, like they they love it down there. They love. The culture of it because it's it's kind of similar in its own way to the way that they party the way that mm-hmm. they like have a good time yeah. and you know the the pride the heart that they have when it comes to fighting and yeah. conor mcgregor's fought some like the dia nate diaz you know he's fought him who's technically you know not like the biggest physical specimen that there is but he's just a fucking straight up brawler yeah. guy that has a fucking heart you know he yeah. just he just likes to fucking fight. You yeah. know, they go at it because they they have that that if anything they just have that pride against each other, and that's what he was giving him the compliment. Like you fight like a Mexican, like you know you're yeah. you're you're fucking in it to win it. You yeah. know, like that thing, and that's what I was trying to tell them. And they're like, huh, that's so strange. You know, like they're observing <laughs> it from such a different way. I was like, you don't get it. Like, yeah, I mean, talking about race is not the same as like being racist. You know, and a lot of people yeah. use these in like loving ways, and you don't have people who are, I mean, really. I mean, I've seen even, like, people who are, like, Klansmen who have, like, a black friend or two, you know? They, it's not so binary where racism, where racism is like that. And actually, wait, let me circle back to a point that I was trying to make before, and I don't know if I have a good segue into it. But <laughs> I, 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 I read this, um, I read something to this effect, and it really made me think a lot, where somebody said, like, look, we have, like, a hero culture and not a compassion culture in this country. Hmm. And you can see the hero culture in, you know, all the people who stepped up to help out with, you know, Harvey, Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Irma that recently just rocked the South and just decimated people's lives. Mm -hmm. But you cannot go anywhere without seeing, you know, on the news, people, you know, bringing their trucks out, people are bringing their boats back in to go do rescue things and stuff like that. Like people 
when it comes down to it, we will ultimately help each other and come together. Right. But that's not all there is to right. be heroic in that moment. There is a compassion. There is a cultural thing that's not – there's like a maintenance thing. Uh-huh. It's not easy to do. But I think that is our biggest hurdle as a culture is to every day do the, take the steps that we need to take to kind of help people's lives and, and get back there. And it's not always as easy as, you know – seeing somebody in trouble when their house is almost on fire and helping them get out like i mean of course that takes bravery and we we need that too but it's like but if you're still voting to you know defund these people's you know access to affordable you know health care or insurance or a home that's not next to a bunch of brush fires or things like that that's not the greatest example but um you know we need to be doing more kind of every day well, one of the things that I think now that you mentioned that that's interesting is, is, you know, it goes with action and, you know, talking uh, and the difference between the both of them, because when you're observing something from a computer screen and you see something, you have time to sit there and you don't have to face an actual problem. You don't have to face the people that you're commenting about. And, you know, you can sit there and think about something and say something. And even though that might be the way you feel or the way you think you feel or the way you want to express that you feel, it's definitely it can definitely a lot of times come off as is not compassionate and you don't care because you're not there. But if those same people that were going to say that because, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, there's just so many bad people out there mm-hmm. because they're saying these things. And although they are saying these things and it's shitty, who's to say, though, that a lot of those people that are saying that stuff, if faced with a situation where they would either have to help somebody that they might have been talking shit about or whatever, mm-hmm. or not help them. I would still say a lot of them would probably rise to the occasion. And I help would say these most people. of them would help them. I think yeah. that's a biological thing. I mean, I yeah. think they they can test this in in like you know mice and other animals. Like you know, sociopathy is like not what everybody's experiencing all the time. You know, and I think I think soon we're gonna have enough people who, you know, have experienced. Things like knowing somebody who was killed by a cop personally. Right. Knowing somebody who, I mean, and experiencing what that feels like when other people are talking about you and your family um, online without knowing anything mm-hmm. and making a bunch of ignorant comments. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like people who dox people and like these kind of witch hunts that come up of, over people who have really not, they're, they're being punished for a crime that, by the public way harsher than whatever it was they did you know Mm -hmm. and i i think i do believe that as we have more of these conversations as people hear them more it's gonna change and get better yeah and it's gonna be hard to notice it's gonna be really hard to notice that change and see it as it's going but i think it's important to call it out when it does yeah well it's gonna it's gonna take a long time for it to change and then people will look back and say huh like yeah remember when it used to be like that because people don't yeah they don't they just change little by little. It's all in increments, you know, and it goes little by little. And then, because if it was such an abrupt change, you know, that's when people notice things and they're going to call it out then. But everything changes over time in very incremental ways, you know, and, and it goes back to us saying, we do have to be grateful still, even if we're not where we want to be. Mm-hmm. We should still never uh, not allow ourselves to be grateful for how far we've come. Absolutely. And for what we have realized, because 
giving that gratitude then puts focus on you know the fact that there has been a change and mm -hmm. that there's always been a change being made and that there's going to be a change being made and that you know as, as much as you're supposed to push and still not just you know rest on certain things you should still be grateful because i've always found that when i'm more grateful when in times of stressful situations or times that i'm just down or times that like i feel you know you kind of have nothing else to do other than to just kind of like laugh you know yeah. like just laugh it off and just be like holy fuck you know and i because it's gone both ways for me where i've been in situations and i just you know wallow in my sadness or i just beat myself up or i just take take it really hard and then there's other times where i'm just like you know what the fuck dude like and just laugh it off and just say hey well if anything i'm grateful for this and that and really mean it you know yeah. really mean it and that generally you could say that it's just you know my cognitive bias or whatever but i fucking believe that it does shift and make good things happen for me that's that is empirically proven yeah time and time again you know, i think anybody who situation that can can attest to it because even in the places of some of the worst poverty if you look at places yeah. like you know senegal and africa and things like that you see so much happiness right because i mean there 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 is gratitude and there are people like all of this shit is not dictating whether or not you're happy right ultimately you know happiness only can really only come from within god that was like a fucking after school cheesy special <laughs> hit myself for that one but it's so true and i think that you know because there's that quote that i used to see right in front of my desk that was like life is about 10 percent of what happens to you and 90 percent about how you choose to react to it i would say so yeah and and that's you know just a simple that i think that goes all across the board with people who think of things and you know statistically or they think of things you know just in and based on their own experiences that's it's very true like when you choose a positive outlook or at least you know choose to try to find solutions to the problems rather than just presenting and pointing out the obvious problems then things start to change mm -hmm. you know you need proactive people who are going to take a situation that's shitty and try to turn it around and get people to see it from a more, more positive way than the people who are just continuously pointing out well, fuck we're fucked man we're fucked. We're fucked. <laughs> you gotta be like, you know, Walter. Like, dude, nothing is fucked, man. Nothing yes. is fucked. <laughs> oh man, it's so. Uh, did, you, did you happen to catch the the most one of the most recent Dun Duncan Trussell Family Hours with Dan Harmon? I have not listened to a podcast in quite some time. Really? I've been listening to a lot of music. Oh, okay. Like, I've been going back and just listening to music. It's weird with me, man. Like, I really do go. Like, like last year was the year where I was just listening to nothing but podcasts because yeah. I got tired of music that was out. Uh -huh. And then I've just gotten into kick. I've been listening to a lot of folk music mm -hmm. lately. And so I've just, you know, I'm not in the car as much because I'm not, I'm no longer driving to San Diego every week. Oh, good. So yeah, that's my sister healthy. now has gotten hired and taking that job. And so I'm Pass full time in the gallery. And it kind of sucks because I'm in the gallery and I have to listen to god awful like covers of terrible covers. Oh, like they're yeah. really like terrible modern like contemporary covers, like acoustic, <laughs> really bad, like really, really, really bad covers of bad songs. 
Like, anyway. like Jim Bob playing Kendrick Lamar. No, I would actually <laughs> much rather listen to Jim I'll Bob play Kendrick Lamar. I would totally <laughs> rather listen to fucking Jim Bob play Kendrick Lamar than these covers. Like, these are just, like, I don't understand how they thought that these people, that anybody would like listening to this music. Anyway, so yeah, I, I gotta get back on it. In fact, I'll probably do that. Uh, I would say listen to that one because they just, they really hit hard because, you know, Dan has been, I mean, let's, Depressed, maybe, is the word for it. Just very... Busy kind of, is what I would assume, because he's a fucking busy dude and stressed out, I imagine. Yeah, just, and he's, he's kind of letting it get to him and letting cynicism really just, like, be on top. He might be and, too smart for his own good sometimes, too. Well, yeah, there's that. Um, and I, and there, I think there's just a lot of frustrations, I think, with the way that people are some people are taking Rick and Morty. And there's, like, a climate in this country that he feels like he's contributing to. And it, I, I'm I'm kind of you know extrapolating from a few different things right Interesting. there. Interesting. But listening to him and uh, you know listening to Duncan and and his perspective, his radical optimism, yeah, versus a radical cynicism, and oh, it was yeah. quite the dance the whole time. So I yeah, if you haven't if you haven't checked that out, I definitely would. Well, you know, I actually I loved. I think one of my favorite Duncan Trussell episodes is with Dan Harmon from before when he was on there, and it actually had a different tone from Dan. At mm-hmm. the end, you know, because he was, you could definitely tell, like, he's yeah, just, this one was like, very different. scattered brain. Yeah. He's like very, you know, much like he's so busy. And like when he, he like stutters almost when he talks because he's just like, his brain is just moving so rapidly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Duncan at the end had asked him something, a, a question about, you know, God or like uh, something basically about the possibility of a God and like about science as a religion and whatnot. And I think that, you know, ultimately Dan Harmon's um, response was a very like, optimistic and truthful one um and i I very enjoy very much enjoyed it so it's interesting because i that is one of the things i do enjoy about podcasts is that is as free form as it is you see people go through cycles within their life that show that this is not all scripted the way that they want it to follow some sort of linear platform of like well huge you were doing good before. We want the audience to feel like you're doing good still. Like, no, you're a human being. You're going through cycles within your life each year that, you know, make you fucking uh, get depressed sometimes. Like, you yeah. could have been the most positive person a year ago, and then right now you're kind of fucking on hard times, and so you're naturally hearing yourself talk about it and going back and listening to your own voice or hearing having somebody else talk to you with radical optimism might help you get out of it. But I, I experience that all the time. Like I listen to some of the episodes. I'm like, man, like I was this way and I thought this way, and then now I'm, I'm, you know. Yeah, showing your humanity, different. I think, is important because it's it's easy to kind of forget or think about people and things as a little bit larger than life and inhuman, you know. And I think that's a product of just social media and and media consumption in general, is where you think of these people and you don't think of them as really people who are susceptible to their own kind of you know, faults and shortcomings and they, you know, they feel the same things that we do. Mm-hmm. But knowing that is so freeing because you're like, hey, I'm having a bad day, but you know what? This guy has bad days too. And that person has bad days too. Shit, everybody has bad days like this. Mm-hmm. They go through this. They go through these cycles. They feel, I mean, for me creatively, it was such a freeing experience to start listening to, you know, podcasts and hear people whose work is to me like the top of you know, the the most creative, some of the most brilliant work out there. I'm like, oh, they go through all the same, like, blocks and things like that that I do. They're not magical geniuses. They're also just people. 
and you know that's why I love doing this and that's why I love listening to them but mm -hmm. yeah especially well especially during more emotional times I've been listening to music and there's so much good music that I feel like just came out right now that I'm trying to you know finish getting around to it's weird for me I, I listen to older shit though that is newly discovered by myself you mm. know that I that I'm just coming now to just like because it's just infinite amount of music out there um but yeah it's, it's just been it's really strange because I didn't even notice I didn't even think about that until you said it right now like holy shit I haven't listened to a podcast in a while I want it like I bet you there's and it's kind of good because now I could probably go back and just have like a you know a, sh a shit ton of episodes from Joe and, and Duncan and stuff mm -hmm. that because when I was really like back for a while like Duncan wasn't doing that many like he was kind of like spreading them out like he yeah was, he took he took he, some time he took he a little, took bit, a time little bit of a break kind of yeah. like we kind of unfortunately had to as yeah, well but you know it's been good I've been doing good things I've I've had you know some solid travels you know I had the eclipse I so go where else Mexico. where else have you been so well, I went to New Mexico mm-hmm uh, that was really cool um, and I think that ultimately that's pretty much where I've gone and then tonight I'm flying out to... have you just been going back and forth to New Mexico no I only went once really okay so it just happened to coincide it coincided with, with like two my with... return oh yeah because then you've been going and when I was back you were leaving and you were gone yeah it's and been so... it's been so tough for us to kind of juggle and kind of keep up to the schedule that we wanted to keep up with because right. we had a bank of episodes that we kind of spent because it's been, I mean, I think from the time that I started traveling till you getting done this Wednesday, right? I think that'll be, be kind of... I'll be back. Oh, I got back on Tuesday afternoon. Uh-huh. And, and then you'll be back... I'll be back Wednesday night. Because you're leaving tomorrow, right? No, I'm leaving tonight. Oh, you're leaving tonight. I'm flying okay. out tonight to Denver, staying in Boulder with my friend. We're, we're checking out gorillas at Red Rocks. Oh, right on, on dude. Tuesday. Hell yeah. Yeah, I, a while back when you know they had announced that they were touring, they had shows over at the Forum, and I was like thinking about obviously getting a ticket because he was like, yeah, I got to go check them out, but the Forum sucks as a venue. I fucking hate it, and I just was, you know, I was kind of on the fence about it and she had posted something that she had my friend katie had posted that she had gotten tickets to go see them at red rocks and i was like oh damn that must be a good show lucky and she was like come out and hang out and see them blah 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 and i was like yeah right yeah, in the beginning like yeah and i don't know why i don't know why i was so much like yeah no and then i thought about it for a second and i said wait a minute like i mean yeah the ticket's expensive as shit mm -hmm. and it's gonna cost me money to fly out there but this opportunity is like, you know, perhaps for me, once in a lifetime opportunity because it's, I've never been to Red Rocks. I've never yeah. seen a show there. And I've only seen gorillas very shitty, like from far away at mm. Coachella. Yeah. And so it was like super far away um, and not the way I wanted to see them. You know, this is definitely going to be more of an intimate show, but it's in Red Rocks and it's in Colorado. The whole, everything all together just makes more sense and so i charged it <laughs> i was like swipe you know fucking <laughs> bought it and i said smile now, smile now cry later yeah i'll fucking deal with it later but it, i mean it's really not that bad and it's gonna be worth it and the, and it's been i've been anticipating this since april I yeah think, that's, was when that's I really the cool ticket. so tonight's finally the night i get to fly out and have a vacation that's non-related to work and i don't have yeah, to drive a non-related work a non-work related vacation yeah that sounds that's such a novel concept at yeah. this point <laughs> and i don't have to drive and it's going to be for a few days. I do. I mean, I get to drive while I'm out there. I rented a car for really cheap, and I'm going to be cruising around the flat irons and 
getting my snarf burger in there. Anybody who's <laughs> who, anybody from the Boulder area who's ever you know spent some time in Boulder has to know about snarf. It's basically like their uh, in and out. I, I guess it's not really. Oh, okay. Not, it's not really like an in and out because it's not a drive through. Like, you know, it's definitely just like a really bomb burger place that you go to, um, and I love it. Right on, delicious. Yeah, no, I've been I've been kind of all over the place too. You know, I kind of uh, I was. You know what? We're kind of running up against the clock here, and yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Rhode Island. I went to the uh, the first annual Hasbro convention. I don't even know what that is. Well, you know, you know what Hasbro, the toy company, is. The, oh, I didn't I didn't know the name, but no, what what oh, kind okay. of toys do they make? Okay, so I didn't know what to expect, <laughs> but I went out there, and man, I did my first. Uh, kind of like walk through of the show, uh-huh. and it was insanely cool. Like it was <laughs> way, it was such a cool thing that like I I, I had no idea what like that that's what it was gonna be because, uh-huh. and it just got better and better as I was like making my loop around there because the first thing that you see is like all this My Little Pony stuff, <laughs> and it's like it's really well done all these sets and they had like little like a whole uh, salon thing for little kids to go in there and get like uh, highlights and shit. But, um, and then, you know, you keep on going and there's like a Magic the Gathering thing that was all really cool. So I'm like, oh, this is neat, you know? And then there's like all this Transformer stuff with movie props and G.I. Joe. And I'm like, oh, this is actually really cool. And I turn the corner, it's all Marvel stuff. I'm like, whoa, okay. You're getting my attention now. And they had all these like really, you know, insanely cool, you know, Marvel toys and licenses. And then James Gunn and Stan Lee were there. Oh, shit. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I kept on going. There's a whole Star Wars section of the same thing with movie props, toys, because they have all these, you know, rights to these things. And then, you know, I turned the corner and it was the Nerf section. Oh, okay, yeah. And, yeah, okay. I think you might have seen some of these. And that was so fucking cool, man. Dude, they had a whole yeah. wall with, like, every Nerf gun they had. They had all the new Nerf, like, prototypes, which were crazy. And I was, I was shooting this, like, it looked like a 50 caliber sniper rifle that was a Nerf gun. And there was like a second trigger that like started the like started the motor up, and so it was a semi-automatic Nerf gun, and it they were like just shooting so far and it wow. had like a little bipod thing on there. I was like, this is crazy. And then there was a whole arena, like a like a paintball style arena, to where they would just hand you, uh, you know, you could just pick any gun that you wanted off there, That's and there's just bullets awesome. everywhere, and you could just run in there and just just shoot little kids in the head for like. <laughs> 10 minutes between oh. that and super soakers man those yeah are like the 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 kids fucking the little boys dreams you I, know? I i knew it was this kids thing going into it but then I, I got there and the first night was like the vip night so they had like free you know free pizza free hamburgers free ice cream so good. and they were like they were just like tables full of cookies and they had like a like a marching band that was playing like all these funky covers of like modern shit okay and like going around there's all these like professional cosplayers i was like dude this is crazy and this yeah. is in Rhode Island? This is in Rhode Island, which apparently is the, like, the U.S. headquarters. Or it's a headquarters for Hasbro, is, that company. Is Rhode Island even, like, the size of L.A.? <laughs> um, no. I, I don't think it is. Yeah, it was I pretty much, I think I saw all of Rhode Island. Wow. Yeah, I just went to Providence. And, and then I realized why uh, Peter works at a toy company. And I was like, oh, oh shit. Makes sense. Yeah, it was cool. I would have never made that connection whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. 
Man, well, we have some more recap stuff to talk about, but unfortunately, we are hitting a block. I've got to go see uh, my little brother is performing in uh, Sweeney Todd in 30 minutes. Oh, shit. Well, yeah. then it looks like we're going to have to wrap it up. Well, yes. you know, it was a great talk. I'm glad that we got the juices flowing once again. Um, Getting in back here. in the swing of things. Getting it's good to see you things. again, man. Absolutely. I know. It's been weird. Uh, and Halloween's coming up uh, sooner than we know it. And yeah. I don't know if you're still planning on having your your you know we we are going to have something uh-huh. we're we're something's in the works right now okay the real collective guys and i are uh kind of mixing something so up so if you're hearing this yeah yes okay. if you're hearing this uh save the date for the 28th we're kind of getting everything finalized right now but we'll have some i'm sure by the time we get to next week we'll have a ton of announcements and we'll be back Tons we're of actually both in town for a decent amount of time and so and yeah, we'll by, be recording some shows and we've got some cool stuff planned by next time i think i'm gonna have like way more of a format for what i'm intending to start up a new project as well well it's basically something to do with art that i've already been planning on doing for a while um right so, on. uh i'll have more of something down on paper i've talked to a lot of artists about it and so kind of on board with uh starting to do these things fuck yeah it's gonna be awesome so oh god damn it i want this conversation to go for three more hours because it totally could well you know but let's just go ahead and wrap it up uh once again thank you all for tuning in and listening and we want you to go ahead and let us know about anything that you guys have coming up um anything that's interesting anything you want to promote we want to give back and uh, you know go ahead and promote that stuff for you guys because we are all about supporting any and all of your creative endeavors. So go ahead and uh, just get at us on our social media, Phil. Uh, that is the at Let It Bleed cast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And uh, go ahead, show us some love there. Share these episodes around. Tell some friends. We're back. Let's, let's, let's call it season two. Why not? We'll just arbitrarily, we'll decide that. And, um, you know, you can always catch myself um, at Phil Nobody Cares on Twitter and at Nobody Cares Phil on Instagram. And my website's almost done. So I'll have some writing stuff and some, you know, backdated blog shit. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. And you? Uh, you can always catch me on Instagram at HoodRatStuff with three Fs. Or, you know, go add me on Facebook just at David Amaya. Whatever is clever. Um, I'll have more for you the next time that we... That we sign on here right on well good to be back and we'll be back next week thanks again let it bleed